Hello, friends. I want to say welcome to Vernonia Church and our online teaching time. My name is Sam. I'm the pastor here at Vernonia Church, and I'm so glad that you joined us today as we're going to continue our series called The Overflowing Life. God wants you to live the overflowing life, a life filled up with blessings and overflowing. And this morning, we're going to finish up this series with a teaching called An Overflowing Generosity. And it's going to be a great day. Hey, before we do anything, I want to pray for you. I want you to know God loves you. I want you to know Jesus Christ died for you and loves you. And because of that, I love you, and I want to pray for you that God will bless you abundantly, that God will fill your cup up to overflowing. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I just pray for all those who are joining us here today. I pray for our online friends, our online community. I pray for those who are not an in-person worship, but are online today for whatever reason. I just pray, God, that you will bless them abundantly. I pray, Father, that you will help us to live the overflowing life, a life overflowing with your grace, overflowing with your blessings, overflowing so that we can be generous with others. God, I just thank you that you have been just this amazingly gracious, generous God to us. God, you have blessed us with so many things with life with the heart we have beating right now with 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 salvation with with Jesus God you have blessed us and you have given to us generously given to us this amazing grace and God we just thank you for that we pray that you will help us to be more like you that you will help us to be more generous with the people in our lives and more generous as we uh, look to you. Uh, we would be generous like you and trust in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together, amen. Uh, well, let's dive into our teaching. Like I said, I want to talk this morning about an overflowing generosity. What happens when God's people uh, overflow with generosity? Well, let me share with you a few examples of what happens. I remember one time in church, a family had come and they were in the midst of uh, of struggling to make ends meet for that month. And they were concerned about whether they were going to be able to make all their payments for that month. And they asked for prayer. And then someone in the church came up to me and he said, hey, my wife and I, we want to help out. And that week they gave a check of a thousand dollars to our benevolence fund and we were able to give that family a thousand dollars to bless them and to help them through that month and and thinking about that generosity i wonder who was blessed more who was blessed more the, the person who received that gift to help them through their month or the person who gave uh, i'm gonna bet that the person who gave was blessed more Years ago, we had a family that was coming to church, and they were struggling. Their daughter was in the hospital with a life-or-death situation. They had to go regularly to see their daughter, and they were struggling on top of that because the mom was in a wheelchair and incapacitated, and there was a struggle there. And they were also struggling because their car kept breaking down when they were on their way to go see their daughter at the hospital. They were in a small group in the church at the time, and they mentioned that they were just overwhelmed with all this trouble in their small group. They asked for prayer, and someone in that small group came to me and said, Sam, would it be okay if I helped them out? And I said, absolutely, help them out. And I didn't know. I figured maybe they were going to help them out, help them get their car fixed or something. But they ended up giving that family a new-to-them car. They gave them their car. And 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 I wonder who was blessed more, the people that received the car or the one who gave the car. And I'm going to throw this out there. I think the one who experienced or who who experienced the overflowing generosity, the one who gave was the one who was blessed more. 
Now, long, long ago, we had a family that was going through a crisis time. There was a, a friend of the family that had committed suicide in their car, and it was an ugly situation. They were asking for prayer. They were asking uh, for support, and they were getting that prayer and support, and they needed to get rid of that car. It held too many bad memories, too much of a bad experience, but there was a mess in the car, and someone in the church, a couple of guys, volunteered to clean that car and they went and spent time cleaning that car all up and that car was able then to be sold and everything you know was was good and and I wonder who was blessed more the family that had someone generously help them out or the ones who generously offered to help them out and I want to throw this out there. I think the one who generously volunteered and served, the the two guys, they were the ones who were blessed more. And, you know, in uh, 2007, at the end of 2007, uh, this town flooded. This town flooded and, uh, man, God's people, this church turned into a hub of volunteers and help. I mean, really, this whole community helped each other out without prejudice. People were helping one another out. But this church turned into a place where we were sending out hundreds of volunteers almost daily. And then weekly and regularly, we were sending volunteers. People from churches from all over the state were coming to Vernonia. Were, were 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 being sent out from this church. I, I found myself trying to organize and send out group after group after group to help muck out people's homes. They didn't know, show love to people. They, they didn't know in a community that a lot of these people had just heard of and came to to help out. And, you know, God's people were blessed. And people in this community were blessed. And I wonder who was blessed more, the church and the churches that showed generosity because they loved Jesus and showed the love of Jesus to the community or the people who were helped. Well, the people who were helped were blessed. But I want to say that the churches and the people who volunteered were blessed more because of their overflowing generosity. You know, at our church years ago, not not actually not too many years ago, we started a Christmas offering. And we decided that from uh, November to the end of January, we would do a Christmas offering where we raised money to do things, to give money away, to to do things, to honor Christ. And over the last few, uh, several years, I guess it's been now, I think we've been doing it for about six years now, uh, we have raised money to do all kinds of amazing things just in the Christmas season, above and beyond what we normally give to the church to take care of uh, the regular things that we do. And man, We've been able to help build a skate park in our town. We raised money for that. We've been able to to help buy fire fire firemen equipment, the turnouts, the the hoses they use so that they could have less volunteers control a hose at one time. We raised money for our our fire district for our fire uh, volunteer fire department and we raised money for improving classrooms for improving uh, access to classrooms for kids we raised money to uh, pay down this church's debt we raised money to put in a new kids park uh, for our church and for the community I, I mean we've done things that that have been amazing together we've been able to raise money to uh, help uh, missions all over the world. Uh, a couple of them to note were overseas outreach so that we were able to help out uh, in the Ukraine with with people who were, were struggling and finding themselves in a, in a tough place because of the war. We've been able to help out Rafa House and, and send money to help support 
freeing children from sex trafficking. We've been able to help support a church plant here in Oregon, in Medford. We've been able to to give to support church planting all over the state of Oregon through OCEF. And we've been able to to do amazing things. And in just in the last six years or so, we've been able to raise, just doing a Christmas offering, over $120,000 for kingdom work and to give away to bless people and to to bless others out of generosity. What happens when a church and when God's people practice an overflowing generosity? Well, there's an overflowing blessing to the people around us, but there's a blessing that comes back to us. There's a blessing for the giver. And I could tell story after story after story here in Vernonia Church and in my experience of ministry where people gave generously and they were blessed more than those they gave to. What happens when God sh- uh, God's people show God's generosity? Jesus one time said this, If anyone, in Mark chapter 9, verse 41, if anyone gives you even a cup of water because you belong to the Messiah, I tell you the truth, that person will surely be rewarded. In other words, God says, if you give in my name, I will reward you, even if it's just a cup of cold water uh, or I'm going to go with a a cup of coffee. (laughs) You will be blessed when you're a giver, when you're a generous giver. And not only does God's do God's people become blessed when they show God's generosity and are overflowing with generosity. But when God's church shows an overflowing generosity, they will find that their church is overflowing as well. I love what it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. Uh, it, it says this, all the believers devoted themselves. And so they were devoted uh, as a church. This is the first church that ever started in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Or we could call that to sermons, to online teaching, to 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 getting into God's word. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to getting together, to an in-person church. And, and, and they were sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper. So they were devoted to taking the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And they had this deep sense of awe that overcame them. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold things like property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You ever wondered why we do what we do at a worship service? It's because of this verse. We get into the apostles' teaching. We pray together. We take the Lord's Supper together. And we meet together in one place at one time. And and we worship and we sing and we praise together. And when there's giving and generosity, it brings joy. That's one of the reasons, if you've ever been to our in-person church, we clap when it's time to, it's sort of a a thing that started and we kept doing it. Uh, We clap when it's time to give an offering, to receive an offering, because we want to give with joy and there's great joy when people are generous. And here's the thing. Do you notice what happened? What happened is they had joy, they had generosity, And then it says, God added to their number those who were being saved. When God's people learn God's generosity, it's powerful. And God says, that's the place that I'm going to help people get saved. That's that's the place. Those are the people who are going to help my people get saved. And we're here wrapping up this series called The Overflowing Life. We've been talking about the overflowing life from uh, from Psalm 23 when David says, The Lord 
well, he's my shepherd. He takes care of me. He lays a table out in front of me and he fills my cup up to overflowing with blessings. He talked about the overflowing life, how God blesses him, fills his cup up. We talked about how my life is a cup and God wants to fill it up. And he doesn't just want to fill to the brim, but to overflowing. And Jesus he talked about the overflowing life when he said this, I came that they may have abundant life, that they might have life abundantly to the overflowing. And in this series, we've been talking about how do we live that overflowing life? And so we've talked about how it starts with an overflowing connection with Jesus, an overflowing connection to God by getting together with him, building a relationship with him every day in his word, every day spending time in prayer, every day, every day having this overflowing relationship with God leads us to the overflowing life. And then we talked about the next week how the overflowing life uh, comes from having an overflowing gratitude. Instead of grumbling about what we don't have, we're grateful for what we do. And we show God gratitude for what he's done in our lives. And we show others gratitude. We, we learn how to be grateful. And we have this overflowing sense of gratitude that comes out of our life. And, and last week, we talked about how this overflowing life comes from having an overflowing contentment. Where I'm okay, I'm content with the life I have, and I'm, I'm content with who I am, and I'm content with what God has done to fill my cup, and I'm not busy comparing myself to you and, and the cup God is filling up for you, but I'm looking at my life, and I'm content with what God has given me. And so we talked about an overflowing contentment. And if you have missed any of those teachings, I'd encourage you, go back and listen to those. You can find those on our webpage. You can find those on YouTube. You can go back and listen to those teachings. And, uh, and this morning, it's all about an overflowing generosity. And I want to talk about some things that God wants us to do if we're going to experience an overflowing generosity, if we're going to live with an overflowing generosity, if we're going to have an overflowing life. And, and I'll just start with this. The first thing that God wants me to do if I'm going to live with an overflowing generosity is God wants me to grow out of a sparing mentality. He wants me to grow out of a sparing mentality. People who have this mentality, they approach life uh, as if they, they need to spare everything they have. Uh, they're sparing about all, 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 all kinds of things in their life. They're sparing and they're careful and they're close-fisted and they're close-minded when it comes to generosity. Uh, they're sparing with their stuff. They're they're sparing with their encouragement. They're sparing uh, with their with their time. They're sparing with their help. They're sparing with their care. They're sparing with their love. Uh, and they're sparing in all kinds of different places in their life. And we might use words here instead of sparing. We might use words like they're stingy, they're selfish, maybe even they're greedy with all these things in their life. And we could use word like miserly. You know who was sparing? Ebenezer Scrooge. Now you might you might know Ebenezer Scrooge, the character from Charles Dickens, a Christmas story. Uh, maybe you never read Charles Dickson, Dickens' version, but you've seen all the different movie versions that are out there, from the funny ones to the serious ones to the kind of scary ones. And, and you might even remember, you know, uh, Scrooge McDuck from the cartoon versions. And I, I think I've seen just about every version of it. And I'll be honest with you, I never really read the book. So I, I, I got to admit that. I've seen the movies and the cartoons, but I've never read the book. But I know who Scrooge was. Scrooge, well, he was miserly. And that was the whole story. A miserly guy who hates Christmas because it's a time of giving and generosity. A miserly guy who resents it, who's greedy, who's selfish, who, who's, who's all kinds of those things. And he learns through the story to be generous. And he goes from being a, 
a, a really upset, unfriendly, unkind person to the end of the movie being incredibly kind, gracious, grateful, and and happy because of what he's learned. And you know who else was sparing? Judas. <laughs> Judas, the betrayer of Jesus. Judas, the disciple of Jesus, who, well, who was always concerned about having a closed fist. He was always concerned about his greed. He was always concerned about his selfishness. He was always concerned about himself. So much so when other people were generous, it offended him. In the story uh, of of a time where Jesus went to dinner at two sisters' house, Mary and Martha, it was a time right after Jesus rose their brother Lazarus from the dead. He was a good friend of Jesus too. He had just risen him from the dead. They'd gone to Mary and Martha's house to celebrate uh, in honor of Jesus. They were going to have dinner. The disciples came. Jesus was there. The sisters were there. Martha is busy doing all the cooking and cleaning and setting the table and putting the food out. And Lazarus is sitting. He's there with with the disciples and Jesus getting ready to eat, which ought to have been a really fascinating experience. I mean, here you are eating with a guy who was just in a tomb wrapped up and dead. But Jesus said, take his grave clothes off. And he rose from the dead. And they're there in that place, worshiping Jesus, celebrating Jesus. And Mary takes out a a vial, a, a glass jar of perfume, very expensive perfume. I mean, we're not talking about the kind of perfume that, you know, costs you a couple hundred bucks. So we're talking about the kind of perfume that costs a year's wages. In fact, the scriptures tell us that, that it was worth a year's wages. And she takes that perfume and she pours it out on Jesus' feet. Then she takes her hair and she she cleans Jesus' feet with her hair and this perfume. The fragrance is all over the room. And some of you who don't like fragrances might <coughs> think about coughing. And, and just the smell of this perfume spilled out all over Jesus' feet. And, and here's what it says in John chapter 12, verse 4 to 6. In the midst of all that resurrected guy eating a, a, a celebration of Jesus at dinner. Mary pours out all this perfume to to thank Jesus, to worship Jesus for bringing her brother back to life. And here's what it says. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money should have been given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. The verse clarifies, he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. And here's the thing, often people with a sparing mentality their sparing mentality makes them incredibly selfish. Their, their stinginess, their miserly attitude often makes them selfish and often they'll find a way to, well, they'll find a way to make their selfishness and their resentment towards people who are generous noble. Oh, you should have just given that to the poor. When really it's out of a sense of selfishness and a sparing mentality that they object to it. Why would a church spend all that money that, that they spend on a, on, on, a, on a playground for kids when they could have spent it somewhere else? They could have given it to a missionary. They could have given it to the poor. Or you could just celebrate that God's people were generous and had a vision to bless families and kids in their church to help their community come to know Christ. 
Why would you give this when you could have given that? Why would you do this when you could have done that? Why spend all that money on on a church or a church building? Or or why buy boots and, and outfits for firemen? And why do this and why do that? It really upsets people with a sparing mentality when people are generous. But here's how Jesus responds. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. He said, leave her alone. Stop it. (laughs) Leave them alone. They're giving. They're being generous. They're showing my generosity. God is using uh, her gift to show you someone very valuable. Her gift worth a year's wages compares nothing to the gift God gives us in Jesus Christ who is worth all the wages in all the world and more. And so Jesus says, leave her alone. God has blessed her and she's using what she's been blessed with to worship And she realizes how valuable my presence is. So she's pouring this out on my feet. And she realizes how valuable I am to her. So she's pouring this out on my feet. And when we realize all that God gives us, how much he fills our cup and and how much he overflows us with blessings, it leads us to overflow with generosity rather than having a closed, tight-fisted mentality. Jesus is teaching them, and he's teaching us that we should be more like Mary, not more like Judas. We, we should be not sparing, but generous, generous with our money, generous with our stuff, generous with our time, Generous with our compliments, generous with our love, generous with showing grace, generous with our forgiveness, generous with our worship. And in every area of our lives, God wants us to be generous, not sparing, regardless of what area of life it is. And as we talk about generosity today, we're not only talking about money. We're talking about every area of our life. If I want to be blessed in an area of my life, I need to stop being sparing with it and and be more generous. When I'm sparing with everything, I have what we talked about in our first teaching, an absence mentality. In our first teaching in this series, we talked about an absence mentality versus an abundance mentality. An absence mentality says I never have enough I never have enough, and, and because I don't have enough, I don't have anything to give to you. I never have enough. I need more. But an abundance mentality says God's goodness is enough, and God will provide enough, and God has enough and more than enough to give to me so that I can give to you. When I'm sparing, when I'm greedy, stingy, or whatever, my mentality is, hey, I only have enough for me, and even then I don't have enough for me, and so I don't have anything to give. Uh, we uh, We can't see how we can be generous. And we say things like, I can't tithe because I don't have enough money. We say things like, I can't afford to tithe because if I tithe, I, w- I won't be able to do this or do that. And, and that's, a, that's a sparing, that's an absence mentality. I can't afford to be generous with this person who needs my help because, well, I don't, I don't have enough for myself and and that's an absence mentality. I can't afford to give things and my things to other people because I don't have enough. I can't I don't have enough time to serve or, or volunteer. I don't have enough to help and and that's an absence mentality. I don't have enough resources, I don't have enough time, enough energy, enough emotions to well to do all this that's being asked of me. And that's an absence mentality. And that mentality is a mentality that says, if I give you a piece of the pie, 
then I'm not going to have that piece of pie. And if I give you a piece of the pie, your pie might end up being bigger than mine. And, and so I can't give you a piece of my pie. But generous people don't see it that way. They have an abundance mentality. They understand that God made the world to work differently. That if I give, I'll have more come back my way. An abundance mentality says God's going to supply all I need because he has all the pies in the world. God's going to supply all I need, and, and, and no matter what, I'm going to have all I need so that I can give. And there's always something that comes back your way. More comes back your way when you give. When I have that mentality, I understand the way God designed the world. He designed the world in a way that says the more I give, the more I get. God made things work that way because he is a giver. The most generous person in the world. The most generous being in all of the universe is God. God is an amazing giver. He gives all kinds of things. I mean, it says in John 3.16, the most popular, the most well-known verse in all of the Bible, it says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave. Now, you know the rest. He gave his one and only son, that whoever believed in him might have eternal life. And, but, but he gave. He's a giver. He gave us life. He gave us this earth. He gave us all that he created. He gives us love. He gives us beauty. He gives us our creativity. He gives us his goodness. He gives us every good thing that's ever come our way. He gives us all that we need. He gives us his blessings. He gives us salvation. He gives us forgiveness. And at the cost of his own life, at the cost of his own son, he gives us grace and he gives us hope and he gives us new life and he gives us promises of eternal life. Last week, we talked about how he gives us the riches of his glory in Jesus Christ. Now, I have a feeling we won't understand or even comprehend the idea of the riches in Christ until we're in heaven. But man, he gives us the riches of heaven. And he gives, and he gives, and he gives, and he gives, and he just keeps on giving on top of all that giving. God made things work in this world to where when you are like him, when you're generous like him, and not sparing like the world, the more we give, the more generous we are, the more God is going to pour on his blessings. In whatever area of life we're talking about, and so instead of being sparing, God wants us to learn to be generous. And when I learn to be generous, I'll start to experience this, this overflowing generosity, and I'll start to practice this overflowing generosity. I'll start to live an overflowing life. And so God wants me to grow out of the sparing mentality, of the sparing life. And maybe God wants you to grow out of the sparing life. And he wants you to grow into a generous life. And the second thing God wants us to do to experience the overflowing life is this, that he wants me to grow into generous planting. Now I might need to explain this a little bit. He wants me to start thinking of every time that I'm generous as if I'm planting a seed that every time I'm generous, I, I plant a seed into someone else's life, but I also plant a seed of blessings that are going to come back my way. And he wants me to start thinking of all the generous times and all the generous things I do and, and all the generosity that I, that, that I practice. He wants me to start thinking of that as planting seeds for future blessings. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 to 8, it says this, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds gets a small crop, but one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure 
For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. And then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. What's he describing there? The overflowing life. Don't be like a a farmer who plants miserly, sparingly, stingy. Don't be like that guy, but plant generously. Now, I'm a gardener, and a lot of you are probably gardeners. So there's a lot of gardeners here in, in Vernonia and a lot of gardeners in Oregon here because there's a lot of things that grow really well. Uh, and, and, and gardening is just a, a great experience. And one thing that one thing that gardeners don't usually do is they don't buy seeds to keep forever. Now, I know some of you gardeners like to store your old seeds. I do that too. But what happens with seeds if you don't plant them? Well, eventually, if you or if you store them even well, eventually those seeds begin to die. And a dead seed is a worthless seed. It's not good for anything. And you won't get as, as, as good of a crop as you would if you use fresh seeds. And probably what you don't do is you don't get a package of lettuce seeds and dig through that package, find one little seed and, and plant it and then store all the rest. That'd be silly. Uh, that'd be silly. If, even if that one seed ends up germinating and growing, um, you're just going to get one little plant one little lettuce plant out of that. If you're, if you're planting lettuce, you want to take those seeds, spread them around, and and you want to plant as many as you have room for, and and you want to grow a harvest of of a bunch of lettuce that you can that you can eat on throughout the the growing season. A gardener that sows stingy with one little seed is going to reap his reward but a gardener who plants it all well they're the ones who are really going to experience blessing i i I remember we had a we had a friend who was starting gardening and he was kind of learning the ropes and he thought that whenever you bought your packets you were supposed to plant every seed in the packet and he didn't necessarily have the room for that, but he did it anyways. And, and and you know what? He ended up with all kinds of stuff growing all over the place. I remember when he told me that he had gotten a packet of zucchini seeds and he planted every zucchini seed that he had. You know what happens when you plant every zucchini seed you had? Besides having plants everywhere, these giant zucchini plants, you have an abundance to share And what Jesus is saying is you need to be like the guy who plants the whole packet of zucchini (laughs) seeds. When it comes to generosity, if you're just a little bit generous, well, you're going to reap that little bit of blessing. But if you are are spreading those seeds out and planting them, you're going to have blessings come your way and you're always going to be out blessed by what you give. God will always bless you more than what you think you bless someone with your generosity with. And not only that, but we also uh, we also find that, well, if I took that one little seed and planted it and then saved all the rest because I want to make sure I have enough seeds for myself, well, what happens, for example, if you plant a tomato seed? What happens if you get a bunch of tomatoes And out of that one tomato plant, you'll get thousands of seeds for the future. You'll get so many seeds, you won't know what to do with them. And a lot of gardeners find that the next year they come out to their garden, the area where they add tomatoes, and they find all these freebie tomato plants starting to grow because they weren't even able to to keep up with all all the seeds that were coming their way. And God wants us to learn to look at our planting or look at our generosity as if we're planting seeds and he wants us to sow uh, generously not not miserly and god says don't give out of reluctance or pressure if you give out of reluctance or pressure there's no 
There's no reward for that. But give out of the generosity of your heart. And here's the thing. When God says give generously, he doesn't need your money. He doesn't need it. He has all the money. He has a cattle on a thousand hills. He has all things. He's the source, the supply. He's he's the creator of all things. He doesn't need our money. What he wants is what our money represents when we give. He wants our hearts. He wants our devotion. He wants our trust. He wants to know, do you trust him? Do you really trust him to to well, to, to treat your giving like a seed that will produce blessings that will come back to you? Do you have an absence mentality? Uh, uh, do you have a, a, a stingy heart? Do you have a greedy heart? Do you have a selfish heart? Or do you have an abundance mentality where God will supply all you need and more so that you can be a blessing to others? Do you think in your heart, boy, if I... If I give this away, I won't have what I need. Do you think in your heart, if I give money, I won't have the money I need? Do you think in your heart, if I give my energy, my time, my compliments, my friendship, my love, my encouragement, maybe I won't get encouragement. Maybe I won't get love come back my way if I give it. Is is that what goes through your head? But he says, when you look at your generosity as if they're seeds that you're planting, you can be sure that God will generously provide all you need and then more. He will fill your cup up and then it will overflow. And when you're generous, God will be generous with you. I like the way the message writes this passage that we're reading here for this point. Second Corinthians chapter 9, 6 to 8. In the message, it says this, Remember... A stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. And I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind about what you will give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. God can pour on blessings in astonishing ways so that when you're ready for anything and everything more than just ready to do what needs to be done for some of you i want to encourage you your next step today is just to say you know what this week i'm going to read that verse reread that verse and reread that verse spend this week make this verse the theme of your week read it second corinthians chapter 9 verses 6 to 8 just read it read it and reread it maybe memorize it but if you can't memorize it just read it and think about it and what is god trying to teach you about learning to be a generous planter learning to grow out of having a, well, having a stingy mentality and learn to grow into being a generous planter of blessings. And you know what this verse is describing? It's describing the overflowing life. You notice in this verse, it says, God blesses us with all that we need. Do I trust him to do that? It says, when God blesses me with all that I need, on top of that, he will bless me with everything I need to be generous. On top of that, I'll have plenty to share. He fills my cup, it overflows, and that overflow I'm able to bless others with. In whatever area of my life we're talking about, whether it's my financial life, whether it's my emotional life, whether it's, you know, my my family life. I need to learn to be generous. Some of you need to learn to be more generous with your spouse, generous with your love, generous with your words, generous uh, with your tenderness, genderness, uh, 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 generous with your compliments, generous with your grace and forgiveness. We need to learn to be generous, and that generosity will come back to us someday, some way, in an overflowing way. If you learn to think of generosity with your time, like a gardener who plants a whole packet of zucchini seeds. If you if you learn to be generous with your money, like a gardener who plants a whole pack of zucchini seeds, uh, well, 
that will show whether or not you really trust God to give you an overflowing life. And the last thing I want to talk about here that God wants us to do is God wants us to learn generous trusting. He wants us to learn generous trusting. He wants us to learn how to trust him generously. Have you ever wondered why sometimes you just feel like you have holes in your pockets? Have you ever wondered why sometimes it feels like you never have enough? And maybe that has to do with the uh, with the absence mentality versus the abundance mentality. Have you ever wondered why you're always tempted to have this sparing mentality? Well, in the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel, it talks about one of the reasons people experience that kind of life. The nation of Israel had been in captive for about 70 years. And then later God told them, hey, you, you can return home. You can go back to the city of Jerusalem and rebuild it. And he said there was one important part of them going home. He said, when you get there, what I want you to do is put your trust in me. Put me first in your life. Put me first in your time. Put me first in your wealth. Put me first in your money. Put me first in your days and in your weeks and in your years. Put me first. And he said, here's what I want you to do to prove that you're putting me first. When you get home, the first thing I want you to do is rebuild the temple. It had been destroyed when they were taken captive years and years ago. And in their day, the temple was a symbol of worship, a symbol that says, God comes first in my life. And, and those people, they went back. They went back to Jerusalem. They went back. And you know what they did? They didn't do what God told them to do. They didn't put him first. They forgot to rebuild the temple. They got so busy rebuilding their homes, rebuilding their lives, rebuilding everything else that they didn't put God first. They didn't rebuild the temple. In the book of Haggai, it talks about their experience in all of this. They had their priorities all mixed up, and that's what that book is about. It's about putting God first. And if we look at Haggai, it says this in Haggai 1.6. It says, you have planted much, but... You're harvesting little. You eat, but you're never satisfied. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You put clothes on, but they can't seem to keep you warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. And this is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says. Look at what's happening to you. Now go into the hills and bring down timber and rebuild my house, the temple. And then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. And what he's telling these people is your priorities have been all mixed up. You feel like you're always behind. You feel like you never have enough. You're in this absent state of mind and, and really in this absence of my blessings on what you have. You feel like you're always behind. You feel like you're overwhelmed with life rather than having an overflowing life filled with blessings. Do you feel like you don't have enough? You work really hard. Maybe you even work really smart, but you never get ahead. You're always falling behind. Does it feel like you have pockets with holes in them? Maybe God wants you to stop, to look at your life and to consider, to ask yourself, am I honoring him? Maybe I'm not living the overflowing life because I'm not honoring him. I'm not putting him first in my life. Have you ever read God's Challenge? Uh, it's, a, it's a challenge verse. It's a giving, a generosity verse, a, a, a trust him type of challenge. I, I call it the tithe challenge that God gives us. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, it's one of the only places where God says, test me. There's a lot of times God says, don't test me. But this time, he says, test me. And here's what he tells the people. He says, bring the 
all the tithes in some verses, versions, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you and I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it all in. Try it. Try me. Put me to the test. Test me in this. I dare you. I dare you test me in this. And you notice what he challenges them with? He says, test me and tithe. Be generous and be generous with me and see. See what? See if you don't live the overflowing life. I will pour out blessings so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Now, now, if you're in a place where you've never given to God, I would encourage you, maybe use this as a test to start start giving for the first time. But if you're in a place where you give, but maybe you haven't ever taken him up on this test for real. This test, he says, bring the whole tithe. The word tithe means 10%. Give him 10% of your paycheck. Give him 10% of what you have. Uh, give him 10% and see if he doesn't bless. Take him up on this tithe challenge. Remember years ago, uh, I preached a series through this, uh, through tithing. I preached a series about tithing and uh, I talked about the tithe challenge. And there were people in the church who said, you know what, I'm going to take take up take up this tithe challenge and what my challenge was was uh, take up the tithe challenge and try it for three months for three months give god 10 percent of what you make and see if he doesn't bring blessings your way i remember one fellow who was a salesman he came up to me and he said you know i it's been a slow time i'm not sure how i can do it or if i can do it but i'm gonna try it i'm gonna i'm gonna tithe for the next three months. I'm going to take God up on this challenge. And it was fun watching this person go through that experience as every month as they were going through it, they're going, I can't believe it. You know, it looked like we wasn't even going to uh, be able to make it through the month, but then God sent sales my way and, and he was selling when other people in his uh, at his workplace weren't selling and he was selling more than other people in his workplace. And, and God kept sending people to come and, and, and to, it kept sending him blessings. And he said, it works. I believe it. I see it now. It works. God says, I dare you. Try me. Put me first and see if I don't bless it. Put me first with your time and see if I don't bless it. Put me first in your relationships and see if I don't bless that. Put me first in your money and see if I don't bless that. Put me first in your whatever it is that you want God to bless. Put him first in it and see if he doesn't bless, do you trust Jesus? You might say, well, hey, you know, I, I trust Jesus to give me salvation and to bring me to heaven. But do you trust him with anything else? Do you trust him when he promises if you overflow with generosity that he will overflow blessings in your life? Do you trust him that you so much that you can grow out of a, a sparing mentality? Do you trust him that you can start looking at your generosity as planting seeds for blessings for the future? Do you trust him so much that you can learn how to grow into really, truly trusting generously? As a pastor, I talk about giving occasionally, and when I do, one of the big reasons I do it isn't because Vernonia Church needs your money or Vernonia Church wants your money. I talk about it because I want you to experience the overflowing life. Talk about it because I want you to experience God's test on your life. This this area where you test him, you put him to the test and so you watch him open up the floodgates of heaven and bring blessing into your life. How much do you trust Jesus? How much do you trust what he teaches about generosity? You know, here's something Jesus said. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38. You remember how I said God designed the world so that when you give, you will receive more? Jesus says this, Give, 
in Luke 6, 38. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and pouring out into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Remember what David said, God, you fill my cup to overflowing with blessings. You remember how Jesus said, I want to give you abundant life to overflowing. Here he talks about the overflowing life again. And he says, hey, when you give, your gift will return to you and, and it will be full, not just full, but, but you know, when I, when I fill a coffee bag to take upstairs to my kitchen, I grind up some coffee and I shake that bag around so I could fit more in it. I, I, I stamp it a little bit so I can fit more in it. I, 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 I press it down a little bit so I can fit more in that bag. And what he's saying is when you give what you receive, it'll return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and pouring into your lap. Uh, and, and David said, God, you fill my cup. And it runs over. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 29, it says, According to your faith, it will be done to you. What does it look like to have an overflowing life? Well, it looks like having an overflowing connection to Jesus. That leads me then to have an overflowing gratitude towards God and to show an overflowing gratitude to others in my life. It leads to an overflowing contentment where I'm content with what God has done in my life and how he's filled my cup, and I don't compare it to anybody else's cup. And it takes an overflowing generosity. Well, I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you today to take a next step. And the next step I want to encourage you to take is this. This week, find a way every day, starting today, Maybe after you are done with our online teaching time, starting today or and then going tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and every day this week, find someone to be generous with. Maybe you generously tell your wife about how much you appreciate her. Maybe you generously give something, a gift to a child. Maybe you generously encourage someone at work but find a way to be generous every day this week practice an overflowing generosity plant some zucchini seeds of generosity and into the world around you and see how god blesses or maybe maybe you have a next step that will take it to the next level for you and maybe your next step is to say, you know what, I'm going to start to tithe. And I'm going to take God up on his tithe challenge. I'm going to start tithing to my church. And whatever your local church is that you go to, whether it's Vernonia Church or you go to in-person church somewhere else, maybe you're going to say, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to take you up on this challenge for the next month, for the next three months or the next six months, or the next year, I'm going to take you up on your challenge to tithe. And every week, or every two weeks, whenever I get paid, I'm going to take 10% of that, and I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to bring it to your storehouse, which in the Old Testament was the temple. In the New Testament, it's the, your local church. I'm going to bring it to the storehouse and see if God doesn't open up the floodgates of heaven and fill my cup up with blessings. And I want to encourage you to experience the overflowing life. Well, I don't know what next step you need to take is, but any of those next steps, I want to encourage you to take them. And I want to just pray with you right now and invite God to help you experience the overflowing life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you. And God, we're just so thankful and grateful for what you've done and who you've been in our lives. We're thankful for Jesus. We're thankful for salvation. We're thankful for grace. You're such a giving God. 
And God, we pray that you will help us to learn to be generous and giving to the world around us, in our homes, in our families, in our community, and even with our church. And God, even generous to you and trusting in you to bless beyond what we could even give you. God, I pray for each one who's joining us here right now. I pray that you will help them to experience the overflowing life. I pray that you'll help me experience the overflowing life. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to say thanks once again for joining us online here for our online teaching time. And I want to tell you, I don't take you for granted. Uh, you know, every week I spend a lot of time doing this. And I know that it's not some great thing. It's just me sitting at a table with a microphone. Uh, but I I, I'm just so grateful and thankful for you. I'm grateful and thankful that you join us every week, that you join us and that you get into these teachings with us. Uh, I'm thankful for those of you who tell me that it meant something to you, that it helps you. And I'm grateful and I'm thankful that you've joined us for this series. And I hope that you experience the overflowing life, maybe even a little bit more like I have as we've gone through this teaching together. Uh, I'm so thankful for you. Well, I want to finish up uh, by declaring it's been a great day together. And on the count of three, we're going to say it's been a great day out loud, uh, really loud, because it has. It's been a great day in the presence of God and, and, and in getting in his word together. So on the count of three, ready? One, two, three. It's been a great day. I hope you have a great day. And I'm so thankful you were here today. And I look forward to seeing you next Sunday.